miracle story with us. <laughs> the, the miracle story of the four hours of silence that you said. Always open for a good testimony. And I imagine, <clears throat> I imagine thinking of uh, today as Flying Pig Sunday, there are a lot of people begging for the Spirit as they beg for breath. Uh, right now as they're making their way up. And even today as we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit is intimately involved in the, the conversion of people from, from darkness into light, that there are a number of sort of foxhole conversions. You know, God, if you get me through this, I will follow you forever. Um, but but today, in this journey through the Holy Spirit, as we, we're continuing to capture the personality of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is, is a person. It's God the Holy Spirit, not just some impersonal force, even though, you know, May the 4th is Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. That, that's, that's not the Holy Spirit. And so as we're looking through this, I really want you to be um, continuing to have that filter of, you know, how do you get to know the Holy Spirit, know His personality? And what we'll see here is, is the Spirit's heart to draw people who don't know Jesus to know Jesus. That that is what he is working, you know, in in us and in folks that are outside um, the church, and and we'll see that today in, in John, um, will uh, the Gospel of John, uh, and we'll catch the tail end of John chapter two, and then move into the first parts of John chapter three. Um, found on page eight sixty three, your pew Bible, uh, or you can. Follow along on the screen. We'll start with uh, uh, John 2, verse 23. Let's, uh, let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for your written word. Uh, speak to us. Uh, may your, your living word, your living presence and your Holy Spirit um, continue to uh, renew our minds uh, through your word. Uh, continue to, to draw us, to woo us to uh, Jesus as well. And for uh, each of us here, um, show us and lead us the, just the place that you're calling us to, to walk with him and to share him with others. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, John uh, chapter 2, verse 23. Hear the word of the Lord. When he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, this is Jesus, many believed in his name. Because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about anyone, for he himself knew what was in everyone. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, 
No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Then jump to the end of chapter 3, verse 31 through 36. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks about earthly things. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, yet no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted his testimony has certified this, that God is true. He whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has placed all things in His hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, but must endure God's wrath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so, so the first part um, of this, what I want us, us to see is how uh, that it's the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to enable the church, to enable us, just as he enabled Jesus, to, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to proclaim the, the love of God in word, in work, and in wonder. You know, in, in word and deed, in, in um, normal deeds of love and miraculous works. But in word and deed, the Spirit is the one who enables the church to speak of and live according to the ways of Jesus. To be a witness to the world outside. And, and we see that in the, that last part of chapter um, 2, verse 23 there, when, that, that Jesus was there, it was, he, has been, he was doing signs and, and wonders, and, and people were believing in His name. Um, people were, were coming to Him and seeing the very presence of God in Jesus. And, and we, we, we see that in, in this series. You know, two weeks ago, we, at the baptism of Jesus, we talked about the Spirit coming upon Jesus. And it was the presence of the Holy Spirit that was, that enabled Jesus, who was fully human, to then do the, the works of miracles, to carry out these signs, to raise people from the dead, to feed uh, thousands, and enabled Jesus to live a life of sacrificial love, to die on the cross. And then it's the power of the Spirit that enabled Him to be raised from the dead. And so it's necessary for the Spirit to be present in Jesus for Him to be able to do those works. And then last Sunday, um, we, we talked about how the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. We looked at Acts chapter 2. And it's on the day of Pentecost. And the, the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, enabling the, the church. The, hundred, the church numbered 120 people. And, and the Spirit came upon them, enabling them to then go out into the world so that they could speak the languages they didn't know, but that their hearers knew. The Spirit enabled them to speak the languages of those outside the church so that they too would hear the good news. See the, the, the good news enacted in a sign of people that didn't know their language now speaking it in a way they could, could hear. 
Um, uh, the Apostle Paul sa- says the same thing. For those of you that are note takers and like to check up on me first, thank you. Continue to check up on me. Um, Romans 15, 18 and, and 19. Where Paul, he's, he's telling the church in, in Rome that uh, this, I, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles, the Gentiles are those who aren't Jewish, everybody that's not Jewish, to obedience. You know, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. You know, Paul is testifying to them. He's showing them and speaking to them by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit who enables the church. He enabled Jesus. He enables the church to communicate this good news of God's love in Jesus Christ in word and deed. And the results that we see here, then that the people, they saw the signs and were told that many believed in the name of Jesus. But, you know, you, you, that, there's a, it's really sort of unsatisfying, isn't it? The words at the end of chapter 2. And you, you, you catch that he's doing the signs and wonders and people believe in his name, but Jesus doesn't believe in them. You know, it's, it's actually the same word where it says that Jesus did not entrust himself to them. The word's the same word that's used for how the people believed in him. And it's like, yeah, they believed in him, but Jesus didn't believe in them. I mean, he knows what is in the, the hearts of people. And, uh, and he didn't need any person to, to testify about him. You know, that he, what, what I think John is getting at here is that the, the people experienced the words of Jesus that were true. They experienced um, fully the signs and wonders. But they were hanging on to Jesus, not for Jesus, but for his blessings. You know, they were there because, hey, this is a way to get free food. I like the medical care at this with this guy. <laughs> you know, I'm hanging with him. You know, that that's why they, they were there. I mean, yeah, they, they believed in his name, but they weren't really bought in to him. I think that's what John, that, that the signs and wonders were there. The words were present in pristine form, but... They weren't fully bought in. That to make that change, to make that turn where I'm, I'm entrusting myself to the ways of God. And I'm going to live according to the ways of Jesus. That is not humanly possible outside the work of the Spirit renewing our very soul. I think that's what John is getting at and what um, in this um, particular passage. That, that our, our human condition is too rebellious. It's too blind. It's, it's too selfish. We're too, e- we're too easily believe the lies of the world or the lies that we tell ourselves. That we, yeah, there, there needs to be word and deed that communicate the truth, but even that is not Enough. But that's what the Spirit enables us to do. Our part is to be that witness in word and deed. As a church and as individuals. So we'll we'll continue to proclaim the good news. 
We'll continue to, to pray and believe and trust in God's miraculous work. We'll, we'll continue, as you'll see in the, our uh, newsletter, we'll continue to, to have uh, family reach out for care for those that are in need, ho- families that find themselves homeless. We'll continue to open the church. Come in, in the name of Jesus, come. We will care for you, just like Jesus cared for us, just like Jesus cared for those around him. We'll, we'll continue to, to give voice to the voiceless, like the exhibit in the atrium now. We'll continue to, to, to speak words of, of truth and, and justice and righteousness to pursue the, the community that, that Jesus envisions, that Jesus died for, where all come before him equal and free. We'll continue to pursue that, but recognize that all the good that we say and that we do, that is no guarantee that anyone will turn and buy into Jesus fully. That's why we do it, though. And in a way, that's very freeing. It's not your responsibility to convert anybody. It's not our response, but it's our responsibility to be a witness to, to in word and deed, word, to word, work and wonder, uh, to be a conduit of God's Holy Spirit to a world that is desperately in need of him. So we're told and that, that some believed and others didn't and even the ones that believed seemed weak and incomplete. It's, it, you lose it in the English translation, but I really do think that this is an intro into then Nicodemus as an example of one who is enamored by Jesus. In modern vernacular, he's a fan of Jesus, but not quite sure if he's going to buy in or not. Not, not sure if he's going to repent you know, and follow him. Uh, because the, the end, the very end, verse 25, um, uh, Acts of verse 24, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to use old school language just to capture um, the, this. The word is anthropos, you know, anthropological, you know, it means human. And it's used three times in the end of verse 24 and 25. And then the very beginning of verse 1 of chapter 3. Well, you see this ties together. Um, but Jesus on his part would not him trust himself to them because he, he knew all anthropos. He knew all humans. And he needed no one to testify about anyone, for he himself knew what was in anthropos, knew what was in humans. Now there was a, there was a anthropos who was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. I think John's tying that right together to say Nicodemus is like these folks. They're, they're there. They've seen the signs. They've seen the wonders. They've heard the word. They've been in the presence of Jesus himself. Just like Nicodemus. So we see that the, so the, it is necessary for the Holy Spirit to be upon us, to be a witness to the good news in word and deed. But it is necessary for the Holy Spirit to do the work of conversion inside an unbeliever, to draw them to repent, to turn from their way, to relinquish their control over life and turn to Jesus and say, now I surrender to you. That's what conversion is. That's what repentance is. And that's what the Spirit is then at work 
in us to be born of the Spirit. And then we, we have this, this great interaction, historic interaction of, of Jesus and Nicodemus, who was a religious leader of the day, about what does it mean to be born again or born up from above. The, the word that Jesus used there can be translated either way. And so which do you think he means, again or above? Yes, he does. But it's clear, it's obvious, Nicodemus is saying again. He's hearing again. To be born again. And there's a number of reasons that might be the case. It might just be that he's sort of clueless. He's, he's you know, a real engineer type. He only know, you know, tell, show me what is real and you're born again. He's not a poet. You know, metaphorical being born from above. Or it may be a distraction technique. You know, he sort of likes Jesus' stuff. You know, like I've said before, he, he likes using Jesus as an app. You know, and, and at when I'm bored, I can go to Jesus and see what he does, and it's quite entertaining. Or if I'm hungry, I can call him up and I can say, hey, I'm hungry. Let me go see where he's feeding. Or if I'm ill, I can go to him to be healed. But I'm just really using him as an app versus being, to keep the metaphor, a phone in his hand. To be used and guided and directed as he sees fit. So uh, there, there's a, a little bit of both of those in, in Nicodemus. And, and, and so he's one. I think Nicodemus is saying, yeah, I want God, but can I still be in control of my life? You know, can I still be, be the one that, that calls the shots? But that, that's the, the thing. The spirit does not allow that. And he continues to woo folks to know him. See, and you can see, I mean, there's no human reason to do this. You know, I mean, why give up control? Only the Spirit is the one that can come and make this change in human beings to relinquish, surrender, and then follow Jesus. That, that's why it's the, you know, I've been at four births. Some of you have been much more active in birth than me. But it's quite a tumultuous experience. And I think there's part of, uh, part of the reason of Jesus using this metaphor. That it, that it is the, the very birth of your soul, of your relationship with the living God. And your obedience and surrender to Him. Um, a couple things that Jesus mentions here. He says, now you've got to be born of water and spirit. And that's another one where there's all kinds of possibilities. I'll tell you what I think when he says water and spirit, he, he's, he's doing a, a couple things here. But ultimately, I think it's what, where he's using two words to mean really one big whole. You know, we, we, we do that. You know, he, he is tried and true. You know, I mean, it's, it's one phrase now. We don't break it into its, its pieces. But, and, and I think part of the reason that where I get this is this, um, I think he's alluding to Ezekiel 36, verse 25. Just hear this. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 
And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Here, water and spirit. There's baptism in water and spirit. I think he's also, I mean, a couple things here. One, recognize in the New Testament, all the people that are writing in the New Testament and acting in the New Testament, nothing they say really, very little they say is new. It flows from the Old They are steeped in the Old Testament, especially a lot of things that Jesus says. They are steeped in the old. So he's he's coming from this. Um, I I think also what you see here is a combining in this moment in the uh, uh, New Testament of taking John's baptism and Jesus' baptism, pulling them together as one. That is the work of the Spirit to take our heart of stone out and give us a heart of flesh. Give us uh, that, that heart that it keeps things away, that protects ourselves, but then that is a heart that then uh, becomes susceptible, that is transparent, that becomes open, that, that becomes malleable, changeable to God. That's what the, the Spirit is at work doing. This, this, this baptism of water and Spirit is hearkening back then to Ezekiel. And that it's the Spirit that initiates and causes belief within you and me. It's a necessary work of the Holy Spirit to bring about spiritual rebirth. That's a mystery, isn't it? Man, we stop and think about that. Wait a minute, I thought I had something to do with this. Well, there is faith response. But where does that faith response come from? Is that just because you were smart enough to make a good decision? Or is that a sign of the Spirit within you that has given you that heart of flesh? It's a work of the Spirit that you receive is what the Scriptures are clear to say. That is conversion. Hear hear this um, from Paul. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Uh, um, This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. This is not possible in our own human capacities. It's only by the work of the Spirit. Titus 3, verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit doesn't enter us, then we're still stuck in foolishness, disobedience, being led astray, slaves to the passions and pleasures of our own desires and the lies of the world and the deceit of the evil one. It's the Spirit who initiates that faith and enables us to believe and enables the other to believe.
Now, get this though, but Nicodemus, this is, a cool, this is just a cool story. You know that he doesn't invade and take over. It's fully then, again, the mystery of fully within our own personality. That yes, we do respond to what the, the Spirit is doing within us. But look at Nicodemus and you, you follow him the rest of his life. In chapter 7, verse 50, Nicodemus shows up. He's a Pharisee, so he's a leader in the, the Jews. And remember, the Pharisees are the people ultimately that opposed Jesus, that took him to the cross, that despised him. And, and Nicodemus is one of them. And so you can see, well, there's a lot of pressure on Nicodemus. You know, you really want to follow Jesus? You hear what everybody else is saying about him. But Nicodemus, in, in, in chapter 7, verse 50, he starts telling the other Pharisees, as they're, they're plotting to kill him, he's saying, wait a minute, we've got to give him a hearing. We've got to hear what he's saying, and they turn on him. What? There's no prophet comes from Galilee. Are you from Galilee too? You one of his... So even then, you see, he's being wooed. The Spirit is working in him, and he's bringing that to bear. And then, in chapter 19, after the crucifixion, it's Joseph of Arimathea, who is called a disciple of Jesus, and Nicodemus, who then go to Pilate, get Jesus' body, put him in the tomb, and it's Nicodemus who brings 75 pounds, we're told, of spices to prepare the body. So the Spirit works through Nicodemus. It takes the whole book. And we're still wondering, even at the end. Uh, it took a whole lot. I mean, you can't sort of secretly take 75 pounds of spices anywhere. But the Spirit is the one who brings that aha. Whether it's in a moment or over the course of a lot of time. So what does this mean then for us? Well, a couple things here. One is, man, if, if you're here and you're following after Jesus, then you ought to be praising Him every breath that you take. Because it is no work of yours that you're here. It's no work of mine that I'm here. It is receiving what the Holy Spirit has communicated to me of the grace and mercy and love of Jesus and enabled me to say, all right, I'm relinquishing this and I'm going to follow after Jesus. And it's His grace and mercy and, and His work. Every beat of our heart, every breath that we take ought to be one of gratitude. Every word ought to be thanks and the next word ought to be God. Because that's why we are here. If this is indeed true, if it is necessary for the Holy Spirit to bring about this birth of our very soul, that it only happens through Him, then our we receive Him in humility and gratitude. And, and the, other, the other is then that now we are, we are released... From feeling any responsibility to convert anyone. But we have opportunity. We have opportunity to be a part of what the Spirit is doing to draw others to Jesus. In the words that we share, whether we share them in spoken to another, whether we share them in what we post on whatever social media site, or even the words that we whisper. Take every word captive. Be used by the Spirit 
to woo people to Jesus, to cooperate. It's it's not uh, our responsibility, but it's our opportunity. I mean, the Spirit's love for people and drawing the Spirit to Jesus is so great, He's going to do it. What a great opportunity we have for those that know Him to participate in that. So a couple, as we we come to a time of of prayer, right before we get to communion then, the the challenge for, for you, there may be some of you here the Spirit's wooing you. Maybe He's wooing you for the first time or maybe He's wooing you back. And you might even be here sort of reluctantly or you might have some curiosity that's coming or something. In there. You, you might not be able to put your finger on it, but the Spirit is drawing you to Him. And, it's a, and today might be the day to take the step of saying, okay, I'm relinquishing my control and I'm turning to you. Don't worry. I mean, we're all on swivels. We all go back and take control again. (laughs) And then we go relinquish it and come back to him. Maybe today is that day for you. You you sense the Spirit's wooing you. You know it's been happening. And today is simply the day. Okay, I want to follow Jesus. Not just be a fan of Jesus, but I want to follow him. I want the Spirit to cause that rebirth within my very soul. And, and if that's the case, may I encourage you to go to... We'll have people spread around prayer stations before communion and just to make that statement before them and before God and say, All right, Spirit, what, what do you got in store? I'm open. Uh, I'm ready for you to, to take me. Or maybe that for you... Um, it's that the challenge is, yeah, you know Jesus, the Spirit is in, in tune with you, and He's ready to, to work within you in other people's lives. And it may, it may simply be, today's prayer is that you're praying for those people that don't know Jesus that are around you. And you're relinquishing yourself to the Spirit and how can I participate in communicating in word and deed the good news to whomever that person that the Spirit is longing, is wooing to Jesus in and through you. May simply be today, okay, show me who you're connecting with. Show me who you're wooing and how I can love them in the name of Jesus. And again, if if that's the case and and a name comes to mind, you know who they are, Take the opportunity in this time of prayer to pray for those that the Spirit is wooing to Jesus. This is one of the core ministries of the Holy Spirit. It is one of the... the, 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 To capture the heart of the Spirit is to woo you and me to Him and now to enable us to be communicators in word and deed of this good news to others that He is now giving a heart of flesh to turn and to follow Jesus. What an opportunity. Amen.